All right, today on the show we go football heavy as Eric and I recap my weekend at Lambeau Field where I caught up with guys I haven't seen in 30 years and we eat Beyond Brats, that's right. Plus we bring in our very own Sean Thompson as we break down all the games and big stories from the world of sports including my favorite vegan athlete, Justin Fields. But first, let me tell you about NextWave. Yeah, NextWave Services is a website design company that provides high-quality website design and maintenance work for businesses at a flat rate. NextWave was born from the idea that everybody needs access to seamless, reliable, and professional website design and maintenance service on a consistent basis. NextWave believes that their excellent track record of repeat business is proof of their commitment to delivering first-class service all of the time. Get a free website consultation when you check them out online at nextwaveservices.com. Founded way back in 1998, the year that I got married, which is a long time ago, it is Next Wave Services. Welcome to Shilor Select. The whole system will be ready in a few minutes. Take your seat. Everyone has a story that's built on thousands of hows, whys, and whats. Join myself, Chris Sheeler, as I dive into how people live their lives, why they do what they do, and what goes through their mind while they do it. If you love learning and what makes people tick, my podcast, Sheeler Select, has you covered. New episodes every Monday. Find it on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or just anywhere you get a podcast. All right, here at the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, we need your help, and so does Paul's party. Being a brand new podcast just trying to get its footing, we are asking that you help support our pod by going to our podcast page at realmeneatplants.com slash podcast and click the support button. When you do, not only are you helping us get our feet on the ground, you are helping to support Paul's party, a 501.c charity that raises money to help kids with physical disabilities get equipment to have some fun in their lives. Two great causes, one easy support button. Again, please find us at realmeneatplants.com slash podcast or on Patreon when you type Real Men Eat Plants into the search bar. Thanks for your support and for helping Paul's party. It's time now for the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, your daily dive into sports, pop culture, beer, and food with a plant-based spin. I'm Dee. And along with news anchor Sarah Carlson, producer Eric Rogers, and the rest, here is a man who has never put ketchup on a hot dog, Rich Reynolds. Well, hello, hello, and what is up? And welcome on in to the Real Men Eat Plants podcast. I am Rich Reynolds, along with Eric Rogers. Joining me today, you can find us at realmeneatplants.com. Click on the podcast page. Hit that support button, will you please? That will help out not only the podcast, but Paul's party as well. Take the 30-day challenge, read the blogs, visit our YouTube channel, and find us on social media. You can find... The always neatly tailed or tailored and stylish Eric Rogers at Eric Rogers Brand, all one word, all over social media. I am at R M E P Rich, and here we go. I am sore today, Eric. Um, <laughs> I, I, you, you know, I, be. I, I, I hit the gym a couple of times a week. I, it doesn't always show, but I, I, I do hit the gym, and I think like, okay, I know I could go out and I could run a couple miles. And I'll be fine. I know I could do some push-ups and sit-ups, and I'll, I'll be okay. I won't feel it the next day. I'll be pretty good. 
But yesterday, I did something I haven't done in 30 years. 30 years. So for me, that takes ran me all, all the way back. Yeah, we played two-hand touch football. What I mean by we, it was me and seven other guys who used to play regularly in our subdivision in Naperville, Illinois. And we called it, our, our subdivision was called Longwood. And so it was the nice. Longwood Football Association. So the LFA. And we would play almost daily um, a version of LFA. Sometimes it was usually us eight guys, but sometimes we'd rotate other guys in if some guys couldn't make it. But the LFA was a thing, and we had rules for our two-hand touch, and it started way back Who's the like commissioner? in, in fifth grade. If anybody was a commissioner, it was me. Um, I was the one that would always round everybody up. I was the one. Now, rounding people up back then is a little bit harder than rounding people up today. So there's no mass text that you can send out or anything. It meant getting on your bike and going door-to-door or trying to use the phone, which is always a hassle because then you'd have to talk to everybody's moms and all of that kind of stuff. So door-to-door, knocking on doors, hey, man, let's go play. But we usually would play every day after school. Come rain, come snow, it didn't matter what the weather was. We were out there playing two-hand touch, and um, it was pretty cool. Sometimes it'd be we'd have a lot of guys. It'd be eight-on-eight eight or something like that, and sometimes it was just you know four-on-four four or five-on-five, five, and we would play on a soccer field, um, basically. And um, we had all these kind of rules, and it was it was always fun. I was always a captain. There was another guy by the name of Matt uh, Horton who was also a captain. It was his birthday um, yesterday. We were celebrating his 50th birthday, and we went up to Lambeau Field. That's the a good frozen right tundra. Um, it was fantastic. We had nice seats, uh, you know, in the lower bowl um, over by the end zone. But everything's pretty much a good seat at, at Lambeau Field. It really is. And what was really cool, because I've been up there before and I've tailgated, but not like this. I tailgated in somebody's yard who lives like right across the street from Lambeau Field. And I didn't know that you could do such a thing, but this is so cool. So literally where I believe that would be the south end zone is, you could see the south end zone from their yard. And we just parked in the yard. It was 25 bucks per car. We had two cars because there were, there were eight of us going up. So 50 bucks. That's, that's, to, not, to park that's not so bad, yeah. That's really cheap. I don't think people understand. Like if you want to do this at Wrigley Field, I mean, you're talking 100 bucks per car to do something oh, like that. yeah. It's it's not $25 per car. It's 100 bucks per car to do something like that at Wrigley Field. They got a similar kind of atmosphere, but this is way cheaper when you go to, to Lambeau Field. And this place, too, was so cool. So they had this really nice – they had their garage open um, as part of the, the hosting. The, the hosts, the people whose house it was were the hosts. And they actually had, like, uh, big screen TVs. They had the other games on and stuff like that. They had a really nice bathroom. Like, you didn't have to use a porta potty or something like that, like a – super nice bathroom for everyone to use they had bags out and games and stuff like that plus they had a 50 50 raffle which by the way we won like we, we did it as house as groups. tailgate Jeez. yeah it was fantastic i can't believe that we we found this place it was amazing we won the 50 50 raffles not only did each of us take home 35 extra dollars which was pretty neat um we also they, they made up this gift basket I, I guess the lady does this for a living who's the host and it was an actual basket and in it, she framed pictures of us that she had taken, one of them that we posed for, and like three others that we didn't, and these frames of like 
various sizes were mounted into the basket like there was like like wood inside the basket with a packer's like uh cloth that she put over it and mounted the pictures in there it was beautiful did I'm you like, pay for cow. this or no that was that was what? part of that was part of winning the the 50 50 raffle you also got that now she included like her card with it um you know her business card because she sure. does this as, as a business but holy cow i mean it was it was incredible and you know one thing i do really love about the the, the rivalry when you go up there it was so neat because all these houses on the block are doing similar things um where they got cars in the yard and they and they got these tailgates going but there's Packers fans, there's Bears fans, uh, which which I was included in that number, as were most of the guys in our group. Um, but they're all getting along, and they're talking, and there's even, you know, like like you would see people go into the game, they're walking, and it'd be like a guy wearing a Packers shirt, and his girlfriend's wearing a Bears shirt, and they're holding hands, and I'm like, this is a- amazing. <laughs> you know, it's just- <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. But everybody was, for the most part, really friendly, like. They'd rib you for, for, for being a Bears fan. And it's like, yeah, man, we, we kind of suck. Uh, we, we don't even compete in this rivalry anymore. It's not even close. Like, you get it. Every once in a while, there's that bag of a guy, you know, who's probably had too much to drink. And he gets in your face and he's like, you're a freaking loser. Bears fucking suck. You know, all that kind of stuff. You're like, <laughs> dude. I literally just started. I just I said that already. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Stop being a bag, man. Like, yeah. like everybody gets it. There's, there's no Bears fan that's going to argue and say, like, we're good. We're going to kick your ass. We all know that the Bears were there to get their ass kicked by the Packers. That's what happened. They lost by 17. They looked terrible doing it. That was not a shock to anybody. <laughs> the Bears are supposed still gotta, to be. Still got to talk about one detail of that, but yeah. Well, there, there were some details. Now, in, in the actual game itself, okay, now this is what, what I felt funny because we were sitting around, you know, mostly Packer fans, but there were Bears fans strewn in between and stuff like that. So there was a point in the game the Packers are up 24-10, to 10, and the Bears have the ball on the goal line. They yep. don't get in at, like, third and one. This is in the fourth quarter, I believe, is like 10 minutes. Seven and a half. Seven, seven, and seven and minutes. minutes. Okay, yep. And so it's fourth and one. Now, the first weird thing that happens is the Bears line up in shotgun, all right, on the goal line. Yep. Really weird. Okay. Chris Collinsworth says that right from the jump. He's like, all uh, right, well, oh my. if they don't get in, Bears fans are going to be talking about this. Yeah, because sure. you don't sure run shotgun there. I mean, I formation, you got a fullback, which the Bears have two fullbacks on their roster. They got a guy by the name of David Montgomery who was refusing to go down, who had an awesome game, okay? And you got Justin Fields, who, by the way, is very athletic and strong and you would think would be able to get in. Now, the play that I like would be if Justin Fields just takes a little half-step back and sneaks forward, and by the way, the fullback and the running back come up and a tight end, and they just, they just push, push him. Yep. Push him into the end zone. You could do that. That's legal. I love that play. You can It'll get you. Lift him in. I don't yeah, give a it'll shit. get you what a you half a yard. That's a touchdown. No, the Bears decide to go empty set shotgun, spread the defense out, and then Justin Fields has to try and ram it up in there on his own. So he gets really close to the goal line. The ref said he d- he didn't get in, and they move on. Now, almost every time in, in at Lambeau Field, this this is what's what's kind of weird about it. If there was a play that went against the Packers or a replay that would show that was, you know, for the Bears against the Packers, so say like on a penalty or something to, to that extent, they would never show the replay. But they show the replay on this because the Bears challenge. They throw the red flag and they say, nope, we think he's in. So they actually showed the, the replay where there's the side view 
And then the this yellow circle, which I think they showed on NBC, like somebody drew a circle around where the ball actually was. Did they do that on the NBC broadcast? They, well, so they did, but the thing is you couldn't – like the, the point was you couldn't actually see the ball. You can see hands. You can see arm, wrist. You can't see the actual ball. I don't think there's any – Evidence that was like that is one hundred percent. Well, here's the ball's here's right the thing. There. Okay, so here's here's what I always argue. You may about have crossed this. the line, but right, you can't because, tell. You can't see. So it. so here's here is the rule too. Even on and that, okay and hold the frick on. The other yeah. part is everyone. You know, I get it. If you're a Bears fan, and you thought that was in. Like, go ahead and complain. But there were so many more things to complain about, but than than that one play. Yes. And that one play wouldn't have changed the outcome of the game. I agree. The, the Bears so were going to lose anyway. Calm right. the hell down. I, what? Right. I, I agree. Okay. But when I when I looked at it, here's here's the actual rule too. When it comes to the ball, all right. If the if you cannot see the ball, but you know the guy's holding the ball in his arm, you can assume that the ball is there. You don't need to actually see the ball. That's actually part but of the actual lose, rule. You know, they all could right. could lose possession. You That's could only, have, okay, but he here, probably here's didn't. what they did. This this is what what they actually did at the stadium. So so they showed the yellow circle, and then they zoomed all the way in, okay? Now, there is a point where you could actually see part of the ball to the point where all the Packers fans that were there <laughs> How, how high definition talk. can we get? Because it was, it was a, well, I mean, that screen They never showed is, that view on TV, I'll say that. Right, but, 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 but the screen at Lambeau Field, there's one that's like 50 feet freaking high, you know, and, and we're in the corner of the end zone that has it, and you can see it, you know, and we're like, holy crap. So all these Packer fans around me and are start, you know, tapping the Bears fans on the shoulder like, well, you got one, that's a touchdown, you know, and everybody just assumed at Lambeau Field field that it was a touchdown it wasn't mm. like anybody thought anything different in fact everybody in the stadium was like yeah okay you know it's that's, gonna be 24 right. that's 17 a very, and that's a very different impression than what it seemed like watching it on tv right and on tv i've even watched it where, where they said well they think it's a touchdown but you there's no definitive evidence of saying that it's a touchdown so you can't call it a touchdown now here's the other thing if the if the referees would have called it a touchdown there was would have been no way to reverse it either um so right. it was one of those that it you know the the ruling on the field had to stand um it, it doesn't matter the the bears were going to lose anyways even then i mean that's that's always where the the bears sometimes will get close in a game against the packers in the fourth quarter and that's when aaron rodgers will just go right down the field and score a touchdown and that's even the i own you play i've always owned you from last year is exactly what happened the bears got within one score and then aaron rodgers just went right down the field and started yelling i own you and all that kind of crap so anyways um it was it was a fun time. Again, I hadn't seen some of these guys in over 30 years. And so reminiscing was really cool. And we all felt like we were like 16 again and, you know, just having a, a great time together. Of course, we didn't drink as much when we were 16 as we were doing yesterday. So, oh. uh, yeah, we, we did have two designated drivers, though, because we did have two cars um, that were going back. But on a Sunday night, your uh, Monday must have been interesting. I was sore, but it wasn't from drinking. I was not hung over because I think the whole day, maybe I had four beers like the entire day. That's not a lot. And we actually were eating Beyond Brats and Impossible Burgers. You found like, the jackpot of all of us. Yeah, that's, that's what we were eating. It was it was terrific. And and drinking Oktoberfest beer. So we had um, Lakefront Oktoberfest. I think I've told the Lakefront story on this mm-hmm. uh, uh, podcast. And then also we had some Capital Can you get the Schrader uh, bro? Oktoberfest. And yeah, um, so it was it was great. I will say this: I've been to a lot of 
NFL games. I've been to a lot of college stadiums and stuff like that. Um, the experience of Lambeau Field, the entire experience, is very good. It's It misses on a couple of things, but it's very good. Now, Packers fans will usually think that I'm cracking on them or something when I attack Lambeau Field, okay? I'm, I'm not cracking on the Packers. I think one of the things that makes Lambeau Field special is because they've done a ton of winning there. Now, if it was a losing franchise, they would be really pissed that they have to sit on metal bleachers. But I still, you... I, I will say, I, I went to one game as a fan sitting in those bleachers. Nah, I think, especially when you're talking about mid-December. It sucks. No, no that's it's, awful. It's hard on your ass. There should not be metal bleachers in no an NFL stadium. No amount of makes that comfortable. No, and they really pack it in. Like, when it, it comes to space on the seats, I think, like, normal space for seats is 32 inches is, is what they'll usually give. And then some stadiums go to, like, 36 inches because people have gotten fatter over the they years. They sure have. Um, but... At Lambeau Field, I think it's 28 inches. I mean, they cram you in there tight. And yesterday, it was like 72 degrees at kickoff. And when you're crammed in there that tight, it's a little uncomfortable. You know, you can get a little sweaty. Especially and a little you get someone and... next to you that smells like sour milk. That's yeah, not... <laughs> yeah. Not you know so the sour good. milk BO smell? I do know yeah. that smell, and that's that's not a good one. But anyways, once you're inside, I mean, it it's a pretty special place. Um, the atmosphere is pretty cool. I don't like, I didn't like the, the, the metal bleachers, and I don't like two. So, like, stadiums, uh, uh, there's one stadium I've been able to forgive all these years. When you go to the Rose Bowl out in, in Pasadena, California, all right, the concourse there is an extension of the parking lot, and the bowl itself actually goes down into the ground, like it's dug out, because while you're sitting in the Rose Bowl, you can see the San Bernardino Mountains, um, which is just – the Rose Bowl is the greatest a, football stadium I've ever been at. Yeah, I mean, if you've never been to a game in the Rose Bowl, you've got to go to the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl is fantastic. Um, but – Lambeau Field doesn't have the San Bernardino Mountains around it. You know, it's got Strobel Airport or something like that is nearby. <laughs> uh, there's, <laughs> there's not much. There's a Potawatomi there, Casino. Yeah, there's – you know, the, the road team that stays in the hotel to play the Packers doesn't even stay in Green Bay. They stay in Appleton, which, which if anybody doesn't know, what is it, a 45-minute trip? I was just going to say, it's not super close. Yeah, it's it's a good 35, 45 minutes, somewhere around there that you have to go um, to. But people think I'm cracking on Lambo when, when I say stuff like that. The last time I was there was 2020. And back then, or no, 2000, I'm sorry, excuse me. So so the year 2000. And they had, I, I kid you not, it was corrugated metal, like steel, around the entire stadium. Do you remember this before the renovation? So it was. I hadn't been there before the renovation. It was bleachers and just the lower bowl, and then corrugated steel, like the stuff that you see on houses of roofs of people that are poor that have like mm -hmm. dirt floors. This is what was around the entire stadium, and it was just painted green, and it, it said like Green Bay Packers, like in metal letters, and the actual concourse was asphalt. From the parking lot. It wasn't even concrete. <laughs> it was asphalt. And I'm like, where the hell am I? How is this an NFL stadium? They, they bring was... in the, the people with the, like, not the tar, but, like, the uh, the little pellets. It's the stuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> patch, 
holes in, in the actual concourse. I couldn't believe it. And, and it did have it had the trough, you know, uh, for women don't know what the trough is, but men do. The old time stadiums would just have a trough that you peed in. And so you would be standing there with like 50 other guys with your junk out peeing into this trough all at the same time. Yeah, I don't care. That's a freaking piss orgy is what that is, basically. That's so what it is. That's <laughs> fucking wrong. <laughs> it's, it's wrong. The, the one thing that's the most wrong about it is there's always one curious fellow who for some reason decides he's got to look down the entire line and look at everybody peeing, and it's like, dude... Oh. By I don't the even way, care if you're gay or curious. You're just making me uncomfortable at this that's, point. That's like, okay, that's one of the rules, the un, unwritten rules of uh, men's bathroom. The other one is don't talk. Like, I don't want to have a yeah. conversation with somebody. People who talk, I, so I, like, you know, I work at a school, but like, there was some, like, I was doing my business and someone was in the, the stall, like, pants down, shoes off. I could see shoes off and I'm like, that's, that's interesting, but whatever, do your thing. I'm not going to say anything. Right, so shoes I'm, off. Shoes off. Would take their shoes off. That's what public? I'm saying. Uh, no. So I'm, and I'm I'm washing my hands, and then you know, person comes out and says, "Oh yeah, I had a thing on my knee or whatever." And I was like, "I'm like, I don't care what you were doing. I just don't talk to me. I'll just right. make my own assumptions regardless." Oh, no talking. Um, yeah. No that, talking that in bathrooms. No looking. Yeah. <laughs> The no looking thing I'm a big fan of. Um, not that I'm embarrassed. It just makes me uncomfortable. It's like, what? The, I, don't you understand how peeing works? Okay, this is, you know, we it's all already, do it. Yeah. It's, it's already yeah, weird it, enough. Yeah, it is. It's weird enough that you're standing shoulder to shoulder with somebody and peeing at the same time. Now you're also going to look at my junk too. It's like, no, let's let's not do that. But Green Bay doesn't have that anymore. Um, they do have, so the, the main concourse, though, is still an extension of the parking lot. At least it's not asphalt anymore. They concreted it. So that's a step up. Um, but I usually like it at least for stadiums to not have their main concourse as part of an extension of the parking lot. You know, either elevate it, lower it, something like that. Don't have it be. But, I will say um, it's the, the, the Lee Rummel press box is pretty nice. So if you've never been there, I, I've been oh, there I've been for there. One, one game, one game as a fan. Every other time I've been to Lambo has been for media, and that is yeah. uh, that is nice accommodation. Well, they, they, they've there. done it up right um, from from the press you walk, to the like, suites that down, are all over. And... <laughs> I saw. I got to say this though, like the you know like the concourse where you were walking, Rich, to get like food yep. and whatever else, like the main thoroughfare, whatever you want to call it. And then there's like up above, there's like on top of those like huts, if you want to call it that. There's the walkway to get to the press box, and I always felt like these peasants down here, fucking right. You're <laughs> walking through all this nonsense. I'm just like unobstructed way, walk to the press box. Have you ever taken the tour of Lambeau Field? Not the official tour. I did. So on, like, on I the did official walk around tour, it, but not like with a guide. Yeah. So with, with, if you go and the guide takes you on the tour, it's actually pretty neat because they'll talk about a lot of the history in those boxes where people are, whether at club level or in the, in the suites and stuff like that. They have carpet that is made just for those boxes. And I believe it's made in Atlanta, Georgia. And this carpet that comes up is super effing expensive like for carpet now normal carpet might be what eight dollars a square foot or something like that i believe this is in the neighborhood of like 125 dollars per square foot mm, for no this expense. special yeah packer carpet that they have 
in in the suites. They also talk about John Madden. You know, may he rest in peace. And John Madden, who you know is the name behind Madden football and uh, was a, a Hall of Fame coach and all of that kind of stuff. Hall of Fame broadcaster, uh, very good at all that kind of stuff. What he would eat there is almost oh, God, yeah. criminal. I mean, dude, I'm not even exaggerating. Dude, that's he would, legendary, but not for good reasons. He would have six bratwurst before the game and half a bucket of chili. They called it a bucket. They showed what it actually was, and I'm like, my God, this guy is eating this. That, by the way, was before the game. He would eat again at halftime, and he would take food with him back on the bus because he didn't travel by plane. He rode the oh, Madden bus everywhere right. uh, because he was afraid to fly, and so that was basically his home on wheels, and he would take this, I mean, he would take another bucket of chili and a dozen brats with him back onto the How bus. Did, I mean, um, maybe someone did, but someone had to have been like, you know, John, maybe take it easy on that. Like, yeah, you're not getting any younger. Like, you're on the road. You're not like you're getting a whole ton of exercise watching these games, sitting down for hours. It's what you would think. And he would tell stories. Now, he used to be paired with Pat Summerall. And Pat Summerall was a alcoholic. I mean, there's there's really no other way to put it. He was a player for the Giants back in the day. And then Pat Summerall, what he would drink, he would call football and he would call golf. And I guess he would drink more during golf matches, but even Jim Nance once told me um, oh. from, from CBS that, I mean, dude would polish off a fifth of freaking whiskey before the golfing event would start. And John Madden would have similar stories about how drunk Pat Summerall actually was on the air. That's like Andre the Giant wow. type yeah. alcoholism. <laughs> Just, just so you know, like like Harry Carey used to drink on the air, and broadcasters used to do that. They would drink beer and call games. They frown on that now. I, frown I to mean, the point. <laughs> yeah, I know you, I could be, be responsible with it. It's the burping yes. that would stop me. I could not do it for that reason. Well, for me, it would be going to the bathroom all the time, man. You just don't yeah. get those breaks when you're calling games, especially baseball. It's a mad dash to the toilet at that point. And there's always somebody in it, and it just, no, it, it wouldn't work. But anyways, um, going back to, to Lambeau Field, um, even though the Bears lost, I enjoyed my time. There's one thing I didn't get um, when I was there, and it was the constant prodding and urging of the scoreboard and even at times the public address announcer to either keep everybody quiet while the Packers were on offense or make everybody mm. loud while the Packers were on defense. Now, if you're an astute football fan, which I think a lot of Packers fans think that they are, they know that when the offense has the ball, they should be really quiet so that everybody on offense can hear all the signals from Aaron Rodgers. So if he changes the play or is doing a, a, a funky snap counter cadence or something like that, that they could all hear. So football fans know when your team's on offense, you shut the freak up. Okay, and then when they're on defense, you're trying to do the other thing to the other team's offense by disrupting them by being really loud. But at Lambeau Field, I tell you, every offensive play, there was something posted on the scoreboard that would say like "Quiet men at work" or "Silence um, is golden." I don't remember seeing that. Every I do remember, I do remember the "Get Loud Lambeau" every time Packers are. On I'll, I'll get to that in a second because there were times during the game where the fans weren't, I guess, paying attention to the scoreboard, and they were still loud while Aaron Rodgers was on the field. And then the hmm. public address announcer would jump in and say, "Quiet, please. Silence is golden." And I'm like, "What? I mean, he's that really seems... got to tell people hmm. to shut up." Is basically what he's saying. He's he's really telling fans to shut up. 
And then on defense, like you understand, like when you're a fan at a football game and your team is on defense, you're supposed to get loud, especially on third downs, you go crazy. Almost every play, they would have a decibel meter or they would urge the mm-hmm. fans to get loud or they do the thing like even the, the Milwaukee Bucks do and you see a lot, and I'm sure they do it in other places, where they have like these pre-recorded things with the players and then the players will jump on. and the, right. So they, they would have like a player like Devondre Campbell comes on and he's like, come on, Packers fans, we need you. And then everybody would get loud. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, it's corny, really? But I just, you know, whatever. Like, like, why are you begging for this? You know, everybody should understand it. Now, I get it. Because, like, I work for for the University of Wisconsin, and the Badgers will do it. We usually try to keep it to, like, once per quarter. See, or that's it, when it's thing. hockey, it's once yep. per period. You can't just when you ask really... to get hyped every play. Right. When it's like we want people to really get loud down because it, it's a big play and a big moment, and that's when they should really get loud. Not every play. Every play is not that big. And so <laughs> I, I didn't Did, understand ever, um I don't. I haven't played the the Madden games in a while. But do you remember there was like when you're on offense, you, there's like the button you can press, like quiet yep. the crowd down. You could. And then yep. and you on defense, you could. On defense, you could like, oh yeah, come yep. on, get loud. Like when I would play the game as a kid, I would do that every time on offense. I'd always tell them to shut up. On defense, yep. I'd always like every play. And I feel like that's do. that's the operator. Whoever was operating the scoreboard and the PA was like that person. Yep. Like, well, and here's the other thing I couldn't understand too. So Matt Lafleur, who is, by the way, I think is is an excellent coach, um, but he waves his arms quite a bit to get the crowd loud. And I'm like, why is the head coach also a cheerleader? <laughs> like, they're, they're the Packers don't have cheerleaders, but it's the head coach, and he's he's walking up and down the um, sidelines and waving his arms. They hire and I'm like, a cheerleader. Really? Yeah. Do do they have cheerleaders now? They the other Packers cheerleaders. It's not like technically Packers cheerleaders. I think it comes from okay. like one of the universities nearby or something. They have some, but they I don't know, whatever. They're not like actually employed by the Packers, if I remember right. But point being, it, point made. You know. Yeah. It like, was it was strange. Listen, I, I, I've been to some other NFL stadiums. Some of them are absolutely freaking amazing. Um, the one in Arizona, I know they call it a giant toaster, um, but that thing right there is, is one of the best game day experiences that, that you can actually have. Like nice seats, nice concourses. I'd love Everything to see what one of these really, multi-billion really nice. dollar stadiums are like and. You know, I do want to check Vegas out SoFi, and... yeah, and go to Vegas. And they actually have I, – I didn't get to see a game there, but I've toured U.S. Bank Stadium where the Vikings play, and I can't stand that freaking horn. i got to tell you, you know, I really hate it. I'm not a big fan of the Vikings either, but that stadium is amazing. And actually, from the outside, it looks like a giant Viking ship, which is really cool. And then on the inside, like you can't even tell that you're in a dome because there's so much sunshine that ends up coming in. The, the Packers played there like a week ago, and it looked like they were outside. I mean, if you're watching on TV, you would think the game was outside, but they're in a dome and, and loving it in December when, you know, they're it's sitting in 68 degree rather than, you know, Packer weather where it's like, you know, eight below and, you know, people are wearing all their hunting gear and stuff like that. But it was awesome. It was most awesome, by the way. To everybody that like made it for all the guys, if you haven't done a reunion yet, and you, I don't know if, if you've experienced that because you're not old enough yet, Eric, but when you haven't seen someone in 30 years, someone that you used to see every day for years and years and large parts of your childhood, and then 30 years later that you see them, I mean, it's it's hugs all the way around. It is really friggin' special. It does the heart good. It was, it was nice. I almost yeah. cried. I almost cried. 
but I thought crying wouldn't be real manly at that point. So I, I fought That's back. That's not tears. what we're about here you on the <laughs> podcast. Is no crying. No. We uh, did we did play that football game though, and at quarterback, I did throw. So the, uh, the this friend of mine, Rob Hallbaker, he comes to me. He's like, Rich, I'm going to run a corner route. I knew exactly what he was going to do, and I just dropped the ball into the bucket like they teach you when you're watching an NFL game. It was a perfect spiral. I dropped it right over the defender, right into his hands. It was the play of the day and a perfect touchdown. I was very proud of myself. I also and like on defense, a true Bears fan. You came up short. That, of course, yeah. We ended up losing the game. I did intercept a, a ball as well on defense, which I thought was cool, but we ended up losing the game. And, um, Rich Reynolds was, is a two-way player. I never yeah. – <laughs> you got to be. You got to be, right? I, I tell you, our, so I um, – you know, I – like to think that I'm, uh, you know, I'm pretty, pretty decent shape, pretty active guy. And there was um, a few years ago, I so I used to play soccer as a kid, and I was invited to play some indoor soccer game. Uh, and this was, like I said, maybe like four or five years ago. And I played. I thought I did all right, but the next day, dude, next I day. swear. Ooh. I strained my groin or something. Like all those muscles that you're like, "Ow, oh, I did not know those existed." Thank so, goodness. That's probably we, how we you're all, feeling now. Yeah, we all warmed up and stretched beforehand, you know, and I'm glad that we did because I thought for sure someone's either going to have a heart attack or get mm-hmm. injured playing because that's when you're 50 you're doing that. Yeah, and, and, and you don't think, like, you tell yourself, well, I'm not going to go all out, but as soon as you start playing, you're like, I'm not going to get beat either on defense, you right. know, or you I'm, that offense, I'm trying to get uh, open. <laughs> That's fine. Score that touchdown on me. I just don't want to get hurt. Yeah, no, you don't think that at all. You go all out. And so I thought for sure someone would get hurt. All I know is that I'm hurting today, and uh, it's taken a few uh, ibuprofen to get over that. But anyways, uh, hey, still a lot of show left for you. We're going to take a quick break, come back, guest time, here on the Real Men Eat Plants podcast. Stick around. All right, if you've ever wanted to show off your plant-based lifestyle and do it in style, here's your chance. We have some of the most amazing t-shirts, hats, accessories, coffee mugs, and more at shop.realmeneatplants.com. We have statement t-shirts that will bring a smile to everyone's face. I love the I want tofu tonight tea. Plus, we have podcast teas, real women eat plants gear, real kids eat plants, and real people eat plants, just in case men, women, and kids didn't cover it all. Yeah, we love you and love that you want to show off that healthy lifestyle of yours. Again, check out our high quality gear at shop.realmeneatplants.com and enjoy back on the real men e plants podcast as we bring in the program director for 98.7 fm arizona sports station and espn 620 in phoenix and a contributor here and a longtime uh co-host of mine and also friend uh that i would count as one of my best friends ever one sean thompson is here sweet for us, man. We can... you know I, i'm still already, emotional it's already too sweet come on I, man. i'm telling you I'm, I'm emotional from hanging out with with guys that i haven't seen in in 30 years you know the the hardest part about doing it uh, you know my, my son thought it was going to be like the first few minutes like that that you're there could be kind of awkward it wasn't because we just started flowing into our old routines you know um yep. so so that wasn't a problem the hardest part was deciding okay am i doing the handshake or the handshake with the bro hug you know you is it fist pump bro hug, man. that's that's what it was for for yeah. every one of them yeah and actually for for the guy whose birthday it is i mean i was closer friends with him it was like full on hug like hey man you know there and, you go yeah, and I just I, – I didn't think there was that's that big of a deal. I know guys have 
problems with that. You know, you can't be a guy and tell another guy, hey, man, I love you. Or, you know, it's usually it's got to be like, you know, I love you, man. Love you, bro. Or, you know, something like that. But even that's pretty borderline, you know, for guys. They don't do stuff like that. But you mean it by the way you hang out with guys. You just don't say stuff like that. It gets a little little crazy. But anyways, welcome on in. I wanted to talk some sports. We were already talking some sports earlier, Eric and I, and now I wanted to run it down with you, and I didn't want anybody else involved because they just get in the way of our flow here. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Translation: We both talk too much, but I get we it. do. We're you know we're we're both Mike bullies, and and I like that. <laughs> I understand that. You know, people always you know tell me because I'm I'm from Chicago. The thing I like about Chicago drivers is I know I'm going to get cut off. I know they're trying to get somewhere quickly, but I I could respect that. I'm trying to get somewhere too, so I'm okay with that. I I, I don't get upset with it. I do get upset with people that never want to go anywhere, that are going too freaking slow, or won't make a turn, or you know you're at an intersection, everybody looks at each other it's like come on man i'm going i you know i'm aggressive that way or the ones that don't know how to drive when there's rain on the ground like, they're, uh, like that, that's the worst too it's the entire city of madison by the way that's what that's what that is phoenix so. too because it doesn't rain here too often so people that's when it's right. raining people acting like oh no it's <laughs> let's ride the brake down the, the whole time like you also terrible. have quite a bit of snowbirds down there too you got a lot of old people that live in phoenix don't you Oh, I didn't know what I was. I thought snowbirds might have made some white girls or something. I didn't know what no. you were talking about. <laughs> they got a lot of that too. But yes, I, I, snowbirds, I think, is still a term. Yeah, check it out. It's, <laughs> it, it's people people with, with gray hair that have come from other, that have migrated from other places are snowbirds. And so uh, they usually migrate from snowy places. In fact, so in New York and like the East Coast, everybody will migrate to Florida, Florida. when they retire. And yeah. in Chicago, a lot of people will migrate to Phoenix when they yeah. retire and Arizona. So you, there's usually a, a good Chicago influence now there. But um, anyways... Let's talk some Phoenix sports because, yeah, you're right on the cusp of it, and there's something very interesting. It just popped today as far as I got it as breaking news on my phone. Robert Sarver's been in the news. If you don't know who Robert Sarver is, he is the racist uh, Jagoff that owns the uh, Suns and the Mercury. He forgot misogynistic. Misogynistic. That's another good word to throw in there as well. And uh, he has decided that it's not – the forgiveness from the commissioner he was worried about. It's the forgiveness from people and society in general. They're to blame for why he needs to sell his beloved son in Mercury. Right, Sean? So can we just address <laughs> this? I, I, He had a platform and a moment to do the right thing, which was say, I was wrong. I'm going to use this time to get myself together. And some of that was in his statement. But then he said, due to the climate of the country, (laughs) I'm going to, I I have to leave and basically can't be the owner anymore. It's one of those, it's literally like, hey man, I'm, if you feel, I'm sorry if you're offended by what I said. It's like that that fake apology. And it's just, you, he really ruined the moment. I'm like, you're playing the victim? Bro, you were an owner who was running around your offices dropping your trowel in front of female employees. <laughs> you were the guy that was in the office repeating the N-word because another brother said it, so you decided it was okay to repeat it? And you're the owner? What in the HR violations is going on in this in this organization? There's no way that any normal-headed person could think that that was okay. 
Rich is uh, dropping his drawers, man. Like, what are we doing? Are you, you know, serious? I, I've always been so busy back, you know, in my single days, you know, trying to get women out of their clothes. I never thought maybe I'll just get out of my clothes and maybe that'll work. <laughs> uh, you know, that was that must be the, the mentality there. I, I don't get it. You know, if, if he understands today's climate and how society is, you would think he would understand you can't say the N-word and you can't disrobe in front of p- female employees and, and say stuff like that, you know. I don't know. Call me crazy, but you know, I kind of understand that about today's society that you can't do those things. It might have been perfectly acceptable back in the fifties and sixties, dude. It's not the fifties and sixties anymore. No, there's a lot of things that are okay back then. That's not okay now. And I just, I just, I, I talked to some people that actually know him, that actually spent time with him and his family, and it seems like he's just an odd person. He was somebody that really just did not have a lot of friends. You know, we all have those friends who will check us, like, Rich, man, hey, I think you're kind of messing up, brother. I think you need to slow down. You know, mm-hmm. I've, actually, I've had those conversations with you before. But <laughs> besides that, like, you need that friend. You need that friend to check you, and it sounds like he's never really had that. He was kind of always the odd the odd bird that kind of was the loner, that really was uncomfortable, socially awkward. And, I, and I'm reading this 43-page document and seeing all these instances, and I'm just like, how do you not have any common sense? But it just sounds like he is just a guy that just never was held accountable. And a lot of times rich people like that, they don't get held accountable. They just get basically like, well, they're rich. They can get away with it. It's like, no, you can't get away with it. You can't. Yeah, I'm actually glad you, you had those conversations with me. Yeah, because 2009 in Austin, Texas was a weird time for me. So I'm glad that you were there to put me in check because I definitely needed it. Although I'm not I'm not crying for, for Robert Sarver in any way. By the way, he bought the team for $400 million back in 2004. It's now worth an estimated $1.8 billion. So even if he's forced to sell, which he thinks that he is, or he's going to sell, whatever the hell the uh, the actual case is, he's going to make out just fine. He'll have he'll have enough money. I right. mean, that's like that's Powerball money to live the rest of your life just fine. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know. You know, he only he owns thirty five percent of the team. So either the current the other owners could buy him out, or they could just give it to somebody else, or they could just put it all together and sell it to somebody else as well for the full boatload. So it'll be interesting how that goes. But, yeah, he's the one thing I will say is that he did turn that, that franchise. It is a very profitable franchise now. So he's good. So he's there was some goodness there, and he'll make he'll, he'll make tons of money. Like, he, he ain't going to be broke. Yeah, 35% of $1.8 billion is about $600 million. I think he's going to be okay. So um, <laughs> let's not let's not feel bad for, for Robert Sarver. At, at By all, the way, so. the timing of all this also was, which I think was I did appreciate because Monday is media day for the NBA and for the Suns. And I just think that, thankfully, I'm sure maybe somebody said, hey, we don't want – to subject our players, our coaches, our GM that 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 su- that supported him previously, and have them just dealing with the same questions all through that. And then the same thing could be said. I don't want to hear Draymond Green have to address this on Monday at media day or LeBron James if he's still the owner. So that was the right thing to do it now because I think it takes a lot of pressure off of the players on the Suns and then just different players in the NBA, a Steve Kerr, like people that are typically outspoken. And now they're going to have to address this, but now maybe maybe they won't have to, or at least it'll be scaled down a lot. And I'm and I'm actually happy for that part. 
Yeah, that, that actually worked out pretty good. Speaking of things, though, that didn't work out pretty good, Herm Edwards, by the way, and if you remember Herm Edwards, Oof. I'm sure you do, used to be the head coach of the New York Jets, your team, and uh, he had the famous – you. You play to win the games. I loved Herm for that. Everybody Hello? loves it. Yeah, it's about, <laughs> it's about as famous as the playoffs um, right. and all of that. I mean, Herm is right there with that. So they lose at home. He's the head coach of Arizona State University. They lose at home to Eastern Michigan. Oh, my. I mean, it's it's almost as bad as losing to Georgia Southern. I, I don't think it's as Thanks, bad. Rick. Yeah. <laughs> And well, we'll, and, and, and we'll get to Nebraska, but it looked like you don't have to. I, I'm, I'm watching a video. It looked like Herm didn't even make it off the field, and they fired him. Is that how it went down? Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure of that, but but here's the thing: when you're you're a team that's at home favored by 20, and you're paying that team 1.5 million dollars in the game to play you, wow. and you lose embarrassing not not last minute not like like you got dominated whooped on both sides of the ball and 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 so i if i was the the ad i would have probably not allowed him on the bus either because there's a lot of embarrassment to go around with that situation yeah. and, by really- 20 and and give up 1.5 million for a beat now I get, you know, he wasn't that bad though overall. I mean, twenty six and twenty as as a head coach at ASU, seventeen and fourteen in conference play. I would think in Lincoln, Nebraska, they'd be like, "Oh, please give me some of that twenty six and twenty at seventeen and fourteen in conference play." At this point, um, because you know that doesn't look that bad. But um, Herm is out. You know, it's kind of funny because Joey, my uh, son. Well, I mean, you know, he's my son. I'm, I'm saying he's you know my son for everybody else who's listening. Um, you know, he goes to me and he goes, "Dad." He goes, this is just like you said should have happened to Mark Tressman at halftime in the Packers game. There was a game the Bears were losing 38 to nothing in Mark Tressman's second year to the Green Bay Packers. And I told him then, I said, they shouldn't even let him in the locker room at halftime. Like the owner of the team should be down there. Virginia McCaskey should be down there and say, I'm sorry, you're, you're not allowed in the locker room anymore. Get out of here. And they should have canned his ass at halftime. Um, that's, it wasn't quite halftime, but Herm got the ax right at the end of the game, it looked like. And so... Yeah, well, like, the other thing about that, though, too, is is that there were, this past summer there was all these allegations about the program and recruiting violations that were already kind of hanging over Herm's head. Yeah, so yeah. I almost just feel like he wasn't going to be – I don't think most people here thought he would even be the head coach next season and we'd be fired at the end of this year. But I think they hit rock bottom so bad, similar to Nebraska losing to Georgia Southern. But they hit rock bottom so bad they were like, we have to do something now and make the change. But Speaking everybody of, loves Herm. Everybody yeah. loves him. It's like they still love him as a person. That it's just that situation kind of was just wasn't working anymore. Seems like a likable guy. I think everybody at Nebraska loved Scott Frost. I, I right. think the reason why they ended up firing him with all that money on the tables because they wanted him to go out with a parting gift um, and didn't want him to feel all that bad about it. But Scott Frost got let go at Nebraska, um, which didn't seem to make a big difference against Oklahoma. Uh, but, Ooh. you know, that's that's your squad, too, that you've hung on to for a long time. And it seemed like when Scott Frost went there, fresh out of, out of being like, you know, a awesome head coach at uh, Central Florida, um, you know, that he was going to do big things at Nebraska. It never materialized. What is going on with the Cornhuskers? Do they ever get back to national prominence? I'm not even talking about, like, the days of national championships. Can they be relevant again? Because it seems like it's been a while since Nebraska has been talked about nationally in anything good. 
It's so crazy. I remember I went to, in 2017, I went to the Nebraska-Wisconsin game, and I think Jonathan Taylor ran for like 300 yards. It was crazy. But I went there at Lincoln. I remember that game. And I remember walking to the game because it was a night game. I remember walking to the game, and I remember hearing people like, hey, this doesn't matter about this year because at that point, everyone was like, Scott Frost is coming. And there was so much genuine excitement. It was almost like he's going to be the resurrector and change the program around. So to see where it is now, five years later, it's just, it's mind blowing to me that how it's worse, it's in worse shape than it's ever been. The program is literally in the worst shape it's ever been. Uh, It wasn't this bad. It wasn't even as bad with Bill Callahan. Like it is, it is rock bottom to where they are right now. So to answer your question, I just think they'll have to, they're gonna have to try. They're gonna try to swing and get a home run. I know people are gonna talk about Urban Meyer. I've heard Bill O'Brien's name because he's the hmm. current Saban resurrected project and all of that stuff. You're gonna hear Matt Rule because most people don't think he's gonna get past Carolina after this year. So you'll hear some decent names, but it still comes down to recruiting. And I've and, and Scott Frost struggled at recruiting. He could not get top players in in certain states. He couldn't get top players even in the state of Nebraska, Wisconsin. There was an offensive lineman a couple years ago, or a defensive lineman, that was the number one defensive lineman in the state, and Wisconsin got him. And it's like that's that was unheard of during the Tom Osborne era. Everybody that was from Nebraska, if you were one of the – Amon Green, if you Omaha, if you were one of the top players, you were going to Nebraska. It wasn't even a conversation. So they're losing even on in the, in the home front. That's how bad it is right now. And – the Nebraska people will have to try to figure – they're going to have to say, all right, let's count. Can we at least, we're never going to be where Tom Osborne is, at least no time soon. But can we get to respectability to where they were even 10 years ago with Tommy Armstrong at quarterback, and they would go 9-3 and three, or they would go 8-4? and four. They, They're not even doing that at this point. So yeah, that's the, uh, the next Bo step. Pelini so, years look even pretty good right now. Um, correct. You, yeah. You know, I, and, and looking at it, though, you, you seem to dismiss Matt Rule right away, all right? And I, I look at it and I say to myself, if I'm looking on the outside in, Matt Rule did a resurrection job in Baylor for a program yes. that looked like yep. they had bottomed the hell out. So if Nebraska has bottomed the hell out, Matt Rule might be the perfect guy to turn that around in Lincoln. Yes or no? Am I-, I don't disagree with that, but I'd also say you could say the same thing about Bill O'Brien and the job he did with Penn State. He pretty mm-hmm. much took over a program that was rock bottom and turned it around, too. So, yeah. no, I'm not necessarily dismissing those guys, but I also just don't feel those guys want that challenge at Nebraska because they're going to be going in there with people expecting, with Trev Alberts thinking that it's going to be the 90s black shirt defense again, and it's going to be, and they're going to rise to the top again. And I just don't think that's realistic. And I think a lot of coaches that could take that job will not take that job for that very reason. So let's turn our attention to the NFL then. Uh, I want to start with the Arizona Cardinals because, hey, they're on your station. They're in your backyard. And here was a team that you correctly picked to get trounced by the Kansas City Chiefs. I think everybody saw that one coming on opening day. But uh, a week later, it looks like they're also going to get their ass handed to them by the Raiders. But they stage a big comeback. And Kyler Murray and the boys are walking away one and one after a couple of games in the very tough AFC West. What do you think of the Cardinals after two games? Are they still where you thought they were? Was that more of the Raiders losing a game, or was that the Cardinals making a statement? I thought the Raiders blew it, but I also say, like, credit to the Cardinals for taking advantage of of the Raiders really just all of a sudden falling 
maybe too stagnant in the fourth quarter. I mean, there was a moment in the third quarter, like late in the third quarter, where I was like, man, tomorrow is going to be crazy here because Herm got fired that earlier that day, and then the Cardinals could be 0-2. It's going to be fire cliff. Kyler's not worth the money because that's how bad they looked offensively and even more so defensively th- during the course of that game. Isaiah Simmons got benched and was got 15 total snaps at that point, like benched. And this was a guy that was supposed to be their star backer and is their, their big guy this year. And all that just looked really bad <laughs> midway through the third quarter, and really at the start of the fourth. And then things kind of turned around, and Kyler made that incredible play for the two-point conversion through that great pass that A.J. Green almost dropped again because he had already, <laughs> had already dropped two. He seems to do that, doesn't he? Yeah. Or, yeah, or not I, well, turn around like against the Packers last year, or yeah. Well, I, I'll just say that the, the AJ, the UGA, early Cincinnati AJ Green, that that guy is long gone. This mm-hmm. is a if he would have probably dropped that last one, I almost feel like he's not a Cardinal this week. Like that's mm-hmm. how bad wow. of a game it would have been to have three consecutive drops. Like how how can Kyler even trust throwing you the ball at that point? But Absolutely. credit to the Cardinals. They needed to do what they did, needed to do in that situation. Isaiah Simmons, who I mentioned earlier, was benched early and not really playing, makes the big hit. Byron, Houston, uh, Byron Murphy picks it up and runs for the touchdown. So it's a good win. But now let's see what happens this week when you've got the Rams. Now you got Aaron Donald. Now, now you got a whole different situation. You're at home. But also, last time you played the Rams, Kyler Murray had one of the worst games I've ever seen a quarterback have in a playoff game. So we'll see how he responds. He said earlier today he's not thinking about it and put that game behind him, but I haven't. I want to see him step up in a big moment against a legit team like the Rams and 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 do what he needs to do. They're going to you know struggle. Actually, yeah, what, what, what I find really fascinating about that game, you talk about him being back home, the Rams are the defending Super Bowl champions. People expect a lot from the Rams, maybe don't expect a lot from the Cardinals in this game. The Rams are only a three-and-a-half-point favorite coming into to Phoenix for that. I was kind of surprised by that line. I, I took a look at that, and I'm like, I thought maybe the Rams by six, six in the hook, something like that. It's only a three-and-a-half-point game. Maybe people are seeing either something in the Cardinals that uh, maybe we're not seeing, or maybe they're seeing something in the Rams that's saying, eh, maybe they ain't so good. And I think it's the latter. I don't think you can take too much away. I mean, the Cardinals had a great quarter last week, but for the most part, they weren't playing a really good football game. I think people were surprised the way the Rams got dominated by the Bills. And even last week against the Falcons, I think that it just seemed like they let them they let them in to come back in the game. They just didn't really seem like they had that killer instinct. It just seems like a team that really spent some time in the offseason – living the good life and not really focused. They got their Super Bowl and maybe things will pick up and they'll figure it out as the season goes on. But I think that's also why you see the low point spread because they really have not been that impressive as a team. We joked the last time we had the whole crew on, you know, Jalen Ramsey is, it just looks awful. I don't know why he all of a sudden can't cover uh, anymore. Uh, And, and it's just, it just looks weird. And Matt Stafford's, looking like Detroit Matt Matt Stafford. Yeah, exactly. So that's why. It's a good point about them partying and and living the good life. And we we talk about then like Super Bowl hangovers, and it seems to happen to a lot of teams. To me, it just shows again, like how freaking great Tom Brady actually is to be able to do this year in and year out and get your team to a level where they're either in the Super Bowl and winning it or competing at that high of a level every single year. That ain't easy, dude. I mean, what, what he's pulling off is really, really hard to do, you know, no matter what kind of team that he's on. And it, it's usually, I mean, he's been blessed with better 
better offensive players and talent around him in Tampa than he was in New England. Uh, sure. Where, uh, but he still seems to find a way to get it done. Going to that game quickly, just just a little bit, because they're hosting the Packers this week. Um, getting it done is going to be really hard. So Mike Evans gets suspended for something I think he probably should have gotten fined for, but he ends up getting suspended. They they uphold the uh, suspension then today on that one. Chris Godwin's out. I don't know the status for Julio Jones. They're signing Cole Beasley, and now it's going to be like Cole Beasley, Scotty Miller, um, you know, as, as far as their, their – Yeah, Rashad Perriman and all of that, uh, you know – Maybe it's enough to beat the Packers. One thing is for sure that Tampa defense looks really good. How do yes. you see that game shaking out? That one is in Tampa, and the Packers come into town, and that line now, by the way, down to Tampa minus two at home, meaning on a neutral field, the Packers would be favored. Neither team has really looked that impressive offensively. I think both teams have looked pretty good through two weeks defensively. Uh, I just, but I like I like Tampa. They're linebackers. Let me Levante David back mm. to the heydays of Nebraska and Devin White. Like those guys don't play. And Vita Vea up up front is is just a game changer. So I know they had success running against your Bears last week. I think it's going to be hard sledding to run the ball this week against Tampa, which means that. Rodgers is going to have to drop back and try to make some plays with a receiving core that it's clear he still doesn't really trust, and he's still trying to work out his connection. Um, That's why the Bears game, it wasn't that Rodgers was that impressive. It was just that Aaron Jones was that impressive, Mm -hmm. and they were able to run the ball effectively, which took the pressure off of having Rodgers needing to win the game with his arms. So I thought that was the key, but they're not running the ball against Tampa this week. I can tell you that right now. So Rodgers is going to have to make plays for them to win. But on the flip side, with Tampa, as you mentioned, they don't really have a whole lot of weapons, so they're going to try to run the ball with Leonard Fournette and try to control the game that way. Because Tom Brady, I mean, if there's no Godwin, there's no Evans, and even if you have Julio, it's not, say, 2017 Julio. Right. It's 2022 Julio. So it's going to be tough. I see another low-scoring game similar to the Buccaneers-Saints game from this past past weekend where it could be the first team to, to 20 wins, and, and that might be the difference. I don't see a lot of offense in this game at all. Yeah, I look at it this way, though. I mean, if the Bears with that offensive line can rush for 180 yards at Lambeau Field, Leonard Fournette should be able to do some work on the ground um, against the uh, Green Bay Packer defense. Okay, I, I kind of skipped over this. The Arizona Cardinals had a big comeback. That was huge, but none was as shocking and as big of a comeback as your J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. I look at it, though, and and I'm watching the the highlights of that um, because I didn't get to see it happen live. We were out playing a football game of our own. Uh, But the the Jets shocked the Browns, and I'm thinking to myself, did the Browns just brown? Is that what the Browns do, you know, or or did the Jets really stage a comeback? I could not believe how open dude was when Flacco threw that ball on that one play. I'm like, what the hell is this? Anyways, Jets are one and one, baby. Hey, I'm not complaining. I'm <laughs> Browns can do Browns things. I mean, as a Jets fan, we just needed we just needed a win, uh, especially after an embarrassing week one against the Ravens. But look, here's the here's the deal. Like, I know everyone's crushing Nick Chubb. I don't crush Nick Chubb at all. Like he got into the end zone, he put your team up at what you would think. Well, at the time was thirteen. You figure an extra point makes it fourteen. You figure your defense can get a couple stops and end the game. I, I get that he could have fell on the ground. The Jets didn't have timeouts. I got it. But at the same time, you got to trust your defense, right? You're not thinking you're giving up two scores, and then you let Corey Davis wide open, where it's like we're not playing defense today, and yeah. then the onside kick. 
and and then they go down and you let Garrett Wilson just do whatever he wants off the line, <laughs> off a slant to the end zone. It's like it was just it was embarrassing. Actually, it was actually I mean it's great for me as a Jets fan, but I'm like, what was going on with Cleveland? It's yeah, Kevin Stefanski's got a lot to answer for there because that that was a collapse. I yeah, mean, forget that was Nick pretty Chubb. Bad. I'm not blaming Nick Chubb at yeah. all. I'm blaming whatever non-coaching adjustments they made in those last few minutes. Because anybody knows that's played any type of level of football that late in the game, your job is to not let anyone get behind you. They let somebody get 20 yards behind them <laughs> to Joe Flacco. That, that's a problem. Here's here's something that I thought was amazing, too. The third big comeback happened with the Miami Dolphins in Baltimore beating the Ravens, putting up 42 points to a with six touchdown passes, throwing to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Um, are the Miami Dolphins, I, I, they got a lot of talent, but they got a brand new coach, and I don't know if every, anybody knew what to really expect from them. Are they real? I mean, obviously they're going to have a test coming up here at home against the Buffalo Bills that will answer maybe that question for us. But it, are the Miami Dolphins the real deal? Ooh, good question. I I want to cop out and say we'll see you on Sunday, but I think right. I think right now – which is like the uh, worst thing that you could do in sports talk or, or talk at all. I mean, it, it's usually like those TV guys, like TV anchors, like, we'll have to wait and see. Well, well no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's all of sports. Duh. Right. I'm asking for your opinion. What do you see and what do you think is going to happen? Not like, we'll have to wait and see. Well, yeah, you're batting a 1,000, dude, obviously, because your uh, time's always going to tell. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Dolphins, though, I look at them, I mean, a lot of freaking talent on that team, right? I mean, I just I, – I thought the question was Tua. And and if Tua can make these throws – I mean, obviously he's got awesome weapons. I mean, I, I think you, you give those weapons to any quarterback. It's like Joe Burrow to me throwing to Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase down at LSU. Well, well no shit he's going to throw 58 touchdowns in, in a season. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, those guys are running wide the freak open. I think that's happening a lot with, with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell, isn't it? I mean, those it, it's pretty amazing the talent that they have there. I I was you wonder because you see Tyreek Hill you're like oh he's the product of this Chiefs offense but now nah, he's still running getting wide open on defenses and and in Miami as well so I, you're right they have a they have a really good uh, offensive situation right now even with the running backs with Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds so I think they have all the weapons to do some to, to do some things still not really sold on that defense I mean that defense also did give up a lot of points on on Sunday. So I think it could be a shootout on Sunday. I would for sure favor the bills. I think the bills just have enough playmakers on defense to be the difference, but I don't think it's, if I I could easily see Miami winning, winning 10 or 11 games this season, uh, just because of their offense alone. And it's so funny how the narrative changes a year ago, people were trying to trade to it in the off season, you know, when they were trying to get the for for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, yeah, all of that stuff. And now now Miami Dolphin friends are texting me like, Tua's legit. I'm like, yeah, of course he's legit with Jalen Waddle and right. Tyreek Hill and all these weapons. He was throwing – I don't even remember the receivers he was throwing to in mm. previous years. Like, yeah. like, they weren't good. Yeah, Jarvis Landry was a number one, you know, down there for right. a while. I mean, come on. Um, so so Miami, yep, I, I – I'm buying them right now. I, yeah. I I can't wait for that game. I I think that the Bills Dolphins game um, is is a great game, especially because it's in Miami, which is not an easy place to play, especially in September when it's like thousand degrees out there. I mean, it's going to be hot, and and that can affect a lot of teams that that come in. And speaking of the Bills, 
The Bills trounce the Tennessee Titans, who might be one of the dumbest franchises in sports. So here, here's here's the reason why I'm saying this, okay? Because I actually think that they're well coached, and I think it's it's a pretty good makeup of the team, and they were able to like bring the best out of Ryan Tannehill. But here was an organization that had a similar thing happen to San Francisco, and San Francisco Debo, Debo Samuel says, "I want to trade. I want out of here." And you know what San Francisco says? Sorry, dude, we need you. You're under contract. You're staying here. A.J. Brown says, I want to trade, and Tennessee's like, yeah, all right, you know, let's, let's go ahead and, and, and get rid of this guy. Now who do you have? Why would you do that? Ryan Tannehill all of a sudden looks like Miami Ryan Tannehill. Well, <laughs> yeah, you gave away A.J. Brown, who, by the way, looks outstanding in the Eagles uniform. I uh, mean, dude is legit. I mean, just a beast of, of a receiver. So so the Bills end up winning. Uh, again, I, I don't know if there's anything that, that we could say about the Bills that would be interesting to anybody. But the the other... Stephon Diggs is what you could say. They're, that they're, they're is- really good. I mean, they're, they're good on every level, offense and defense. And and obviously, you know, their, their, their quarterback now, Josh Allen, is, if he's not the top quarterback in the league, he's in the argument of top quarterback in the league. For um, sure. Well, you, know, you know who's going to start gaining some traction in that argument and should is Jalen Hurts. Uh, I like the way Jalen Hurts plays. I think he – I'm, I'm not saying that I, I think he's the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't know if he's even top 10 in, in the NFL. I do know one thing. You put A.J. Brown out there in front of him, all of a sudden guy looks like a much better thrower uh, you know, than anybody gave him credit for. He's, a, I mean, a workout beast and uh, an absolute monster. They were showing – I don't know if you're watching that, that Monday night game. A little with him, bit, like, yeah squatting over 600 pounds like in high school like dude what the hell all right um i i like watching him play and i kind of like the eagles man because i think their roster is pretty damn good the one thing they they got that can beat a lot of teams they got good line play on offense and defense and when you could do that you could win a lot of football games in the nfl to me the eagles in a very soft nfc and a very soft nfc east are are looking pretty good right now no, 100%. And with Dallas, with their issues at quarterback, and I, I think you have to favor the Eagles for sure. I agree on the roster. Uh, the only thing with Jalen Hurts is I, they're, they're utilizing his legs. They're, they're utilizing him running the ball, and he's making some plays when he needs to. But when teams really start forcing him to throw the ball 30 times in a game, and when those moments happen, he has to make those plays. I haven't seen it yet that he's yeah. going to make those plays. That's right. And when he's, and that's to me is going to be the big key with him. I'm not sure I buy him yet on that front. Uh, I, you know, I feel like I, if, if you, from a fantasy standpoint or from like a game against the Giants or the, the Vikings or whatever, sure. But when it's, when it's a Tampa Bay or it's Green Bay and those teams are stacking those lines up and saying, all right, let's, let's see what you could do, big fella, with the arm. That's what I want to see if he's making those plays late. And I just I haven't seen it yet, not saying he can't. But until then, I'm not ready to, to put all my chips in on Jalen Hurts' uh, bandwagon. Before we let you out of here, let's run down the NFL games for this week, see where we're at. Your thoughts quickly on all these games. It starts on Thursday night on Amazon Prime. By the way, I kind of like now. The pairings of Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet, I think, sounds really good. And I like Mike Tirico's play-by-play. I'm still like, yeah, Chris Collinsworth, I liked him better as a player than than as an announcer. But I, I think the, I think the pairings are better. So if you watch Amazon Amazon Prime tomorrow, you're going to get Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet, which I think are, are really good together. Steelers at Browns, Mitch Trubisky, Jacoby Brissett. Oh, man, you know, it, it should be... <laughs> 
<laughs> a a shootout right. in Cleveland. Thoughts on that? Cleveland going into that game favored by four. I'm going to edge Cleveland because I, I give them the slight edge, especially because they can, the way they can run the football with, with Hunt and with Nick Chubb. I think that Pittsburgh's still figuring themselves out, especially at the quarterback position. I mean, mm. Mitch Trubisky, as you well know, is Mitch Trubisky. He's Mitch and- Trubisky. You know, he does have, he's got one thing going for him. Mitch Trubisky has never thrown a pick six. In fact, he sets an NFL record every time he throws a ball and doesn't throw one. It's the longest ever to start a career without throwing a pick six. Why do you know that? That's just, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of like Mitch. Joey's got three Mitch jerseys. He has a, he has a North Carolina Mitch jersey. He has a, Bears Mitch jersey, um, which is like a, a home Chicago Bears one, and then he's got the Nike Combat Mitch jersey as wow. well. He was he was all in on Clearly. Mitch Trubisky, yeah. And, <laughs> all uh, in, shoot, not the North he, Carolina. That's the last time he was good. It was the North Carolina jersey? You might as well just wear that one. By the um, way, it's actually know, a, it, it's a really good jersey. By the way, it's yeah. cool. You know, it's like it, it's the black one with the blue trim and all of that. Yeah, yeah that's a good looking jersey. So. But no, I'm I'm leaning Browns in that one. I, I think no, I'm you know Jacoby Brissett always does just enough. He's not going to necessarily lose a game for you. Not necessarily winning a game for you, but when you can hand off to Nick Chubb and you can hand off to Kareem Hunt and also utilize both of them out of the backfield. I think it'll be too much for Pittsburgh tomorrow. Uh, noon kickoffs on Sunday. We will start at Soldier Field as Justin Fields and, and the Bears are hosting Lovey Smith and the Houston Texans in one of the Lovey Revenge games. By the way, this isn't the first Lovey Revenge game. Uh, twice when he was the head coach at Tampa Bay, he played the Bears and lost both times in those. Bears are favored by three as Chicago looks to bounce back against a Texan squad that is looking for their first wins. Our first win thought on Davis Mills and the Texans going up against uh, my man Justin Fields and the Bears. I will say if your Bears don't win this game, man, it's going to be a long season for them. <laughs> it's it's going to be a long season regardless. I think. Texans are not very good at all. They're not. They're very they? weak at the skill position. I'm not sold on Davis Mills. Not that I'm sold. We back go back and forth on Justin Fields. I'm not sold on him. Clearly the coaching staff isn't either when they allow him to only throw 11 passes last week. So I'm going to go with the Bears because I do love what they have, some um, some big pieces on defense, and I think that'll be enough to get the job done. Plus, they can run the ball. I think Justin Fields will make enough plays to get it done against a bad Houston Texans team. I'm with you on that one. The Detroit Lions coming off a win at home against the Commanders are at Minnesota. Uh, the Vikings giving six in that one. Minnesota did not look good in Philadelphia, but then again, that was primetime Kirk Cousins, who is <laughs> never any good. Sunday afternoon, like 12 o'clock kickoff, Kirk Cousins. Oh, my goodness. He's the man. I mean, if you want a quarterback in the NFL, you want noon kickoff uh, Kirk Cousins, at least noon kickoff in, in the Midwest, going up against the um, Detroit Lions. What say you on that game, Sean? Again, Vikings minus six. Uh, Cousins has a comeback, a get-back game. Yeah. I think he'll play well enough. And Justin Jefferson was pretty much irrelevant and quiet last week. I don't see that happening two weeks in a row. I think he has a monster game against a suspect Lions defense, and I think the Vikings win at home. Absolutely, yeah. The The Lions haven't been able to keep even – they couldn't even keep the commanders, like, you know, under 25. It just right. the, it, the People are going are gonna to score at will against them. I really okay. hate you that we have to keep saying the commanders, by the way. It's just – Yeah, it sucks. It drives me insane. <laughs> 
I just don't, I just like, wanted to say Redskins out of just out of just pure pettiness, but I understand. This is, I'm still this saying is San Diego Chargers, man. I can't get right. San Diego out of my mouth, you know. Um, an interesting noon kickoff. Ravens are at Patriots. The Ravens again blowing a game at home that they probably should have won. Dude, if you haven't noticed, by the way, Lamar Jackson has been off to a special start um, in in the first two weeks. He has been outstanding. Uh, dude bet on himself, and he's going to win that bet if he keeps going the way that he's going. He goes up, though, on the road to Foxborough and Bill Belichick and the Patriots, which makes it an interesting tilt. I'm not really sold on the Patriots, but Bill Belichick always seems to be a pain in the ass, and especially for the Ravens. So thoughts there. The Ravens on the road are a road favorite, giving three at New England. Uh, Lamar Jackson's trying to become the NFL version of uh, Aaron Judge, I think, right now. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Triple crown winner. Yeah, man. He's off to a great start. He is. And I just – look, Bill Belichick is who he is. He's going to have a defensive plan that's going to be there. It's going to slow the Ravens up a little bit. But, man, Rashad Bateman, uh, you know, and just Lamar with both his legs and honestly with his with his arm. He's been doing it both ways. I don't think they score 30-plus points, but I think they score more than enough to beat – Mac Jones in a very limited New England Patriots offense. A lot of people talk about Travis Kelsey. Mark Andrews, by the way, in Baltimore might be the best tight end um, in the National Football League. Just doesn't get as much pub. Okay, an NFC South tilt. You know the NFC South well. The Saints are at the Panthers. The Saints did not look good against Tampa Bay. Jameis Winston was quieted in that game. Carolina lost to the G-Men up in New York. They are 0-2 looking for their first win. Uh, Saints minus three in Charlotte. We don't really need to talk about this game. Carolina's <laughs> dreadful. Um, Christian McCaffrey aside, they're not a very good football team. Baker, you, you, now you see why the Browns got rid of Baker Mayfield. He's not. He's not the guy. Uh, the Saints didn't look great, as you mentioned last week. They didn't have Alvin Kamara. May have him this week, even if they don't. They've got Alave. They've got Michael Thomas, who's been playing well since coming back from injury. And Jameis Winston will make the, enough deep plays. He'll make some mistakes, too. But he'll make enough big plays where I think that game's not even competitive. So if the Panthers start off 0-3, is that enough to no, they're not get part rule out? Rule. No. Okay. All right. No. Next game. Chiefs are in Indianapolis against the Colts. The Colts, by the way, not only laid an egg in Jacksonville, I mean, it was a literal egg. Zero points they put up on the board. That's a goose egg at Jacksonville. I mean, at Jacksonville, they couldn't score a freaking point. you got to be kidding me. Uh, you know, anyways, it doesn't look like Matt Ryan's off to the best start. They tie against the Texans. They score zero That's points against the That's a very nice way Jag. of saying somebody's real garbagey right now. That's a real <laughs> nice way of saying somebody's Not off Seriously, to the best start. No, let's, just yeah. call, let's just call it what it is. Like, he's been awful for them. And has not been good. All the things everybody thought they were getting with Matt Ryan, they we haven't seen yet. Uh, no. and, but it, and it looks like a guy that that I saw in Atlanta on the last few years that just wasn't very good. And people blamed the line. People blamed, oh, they don't have a running game, whatever. They got a running game in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. They're, they're good there. That's not the problem. Matt Ryan's is not making the throws. Blame it on the skills, receivers. I don't know what it is, but Matt Ryan looks every bit of the age that he is. So. I don't think this is a game that <laughs> that's going to be very close. I think the Chiefs roll 
Uh, they, Clyde Edward Hilaire has been doing good things for them so far. And, and Patrick Mahomes has just enough weapons, as you've seen, uh, minus Tyree Kill to get the job done. So Chiefs roll. Uh, and Colts go to what it would be, 0-2-1. and that would be 0-2-1. The Chiefs would go to 3-0. and Another team trying to go to 3-0, and the Philadelphia Eagles. We talked about Jalen Hurts and their Monday night tilt a little bit. They are in the nation's capital. Well, not really. They're in Landover, Maryland, to take Landover. on the Washington <laughs> Commanders. And uh, the Commanders are getting six and a half points at home. They're getting a touchdown at home against the Eagles, it seems like the Vegas odd makers are in on the Philadelphia Eagles. How are you feeling about this game? That's that recency bias because they look yeah. so good on Monday night. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'll lean, I'm leaning Eagles on that too. I, I, I will say, though, I think Carson Wentz has played better than people have given him a lot of credit for. I think he's been a lot better. Uh, with, with Washington through, through the first couple weeks. And, and, uh, and, but I just, Eagles have too much. You mentioned it earlier how they may have one of the best rosters in the NFL. And, and I, I 100% agree. And it's just, they're just too talented. I don't see how the commanders are able to stop them. But I also think the Eagles can definitely stop the commanders. So I hate, I hate agreeing with, with you on all these games, Sean. I mean, you know, the, the thing that made our show good back in the day Which is of that course we disagreed on everything. Wrong, so. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of one, this one I think is going to be hard. I mean, so we, we talked about it, both teams, the Bills at the Dolphins. Believe it or not, on the road, the Bills are giving six against this Dolphins team. Uh, first of all, is that a good line? Second of all, what happens in that game? Bills defensive line, man. They <laughs> – Ed Oliver and uh, Von Miller, like, they got some monsters. Von Miller looks reborn, lineup. by the way. Uh, it's unbelievable how good he yeah. looks. I, and that's why I just I think as much as both teams can score, I just think the Bills have a defense that can actually get stops. Uh, and I think that's the difference. I'm not Sue is not throwing for six touchdowns against the Bills. Uh, he'll he, he'll have a solid game, but he's not throwing for six. But can I'm, I see Josh Allen throwing for six? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to go the other way on this one. I think the Dolphins are going to win at home, and the reason why I think they're going to win at home is because it's going to be 900 degrees, and it's humid on that field, and it really does mess with people. I think teams that have a decided home field advantage because of weather or where they're at, the Miami Dolphins and the Denver Broncos have decided advantages because of geography. And Wait, so, because the Bills have never played in Miami before? No, no, but I, I, <laughs> usually teams, for the, that, especially from northern climates, going down there into Miami, it's rough, man. I mean, people don't understand how hot it is. I mean, I get it. And a lot of their players, I know, played in the South and are from the South, and they, they, they get it. You get acclimated to different regions when, when you're there for a while. Going back down there, I think, is – is tougher than, than people give credit for. And um, I, I kind of like the, the the fact that the Dolphins have so many weapons that I think that they're going to be able to score some points. Drink that uh, Kool-Aid, brother. Bills. Drink that Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've seen Brock Osweiler win games with the Dolphins down there in Miami against much better teams. So uh, maybe I've seen Cleo Lemon win games. What does that matter? Yeah, well, I, I guess. <laughs> By the way, um, I, I doomed the Cincinnati Bengals to being horrible this year by picking them for the Woo. Super Bowl. They are 0-2, but they are a six-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in New Jersey to take on the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. The Jets coming off a big win in Cleveland are now 1-1. One and one. Do the Bengals get their first win of the season in the Meadowlands? They better. 
They better, <laughs> they better get that first win. If you don't get, you don't get it, if you don't get it in the Meadowlands, it's gonna be some. It's gonna be some chatter. I mean, I I can't believe how dreadful the Bengals' offensive line has been. Thirteen uh, sacks through two games. That's supposed like, to be what are we doing back there with a guy guys, that, yeah. that had, yeah, and it's not working. I mean, it's been bad. Um, last week was weird that. Jamar Chase was just not involved in the offense much at all. He will be this week against the Jets. Sauce Gardner is going to get some training one-on-one in that in that matchup. But I also think Joe Mixon will be a difference too, and they'll be able to run the ball uh, against them uh, as well. So I just I think that the Bengals get it done. Uh, I think in pretty easy fashion. I'm writing Joe Diesel with that one too. So okay, last of the early games, the 0-2 Raiders are at the 0-2 Titans. The Raiders, a two and a half point favorite against Tennessee. Wow. I mean, people are just hating on the Titans right now. Um, Raiders go into Tennessee. What do you think happens there? Well, why are, why shouldn't they be? You alluded to it earlier. There's there's they literally They're made dumb. all sorts of bad decisions during the offseason, letting AJ Brown go. And oh, by the way, when you don't have weapons, it makes Ryan Tannehill have to beat you because teams are putting ten guys in the box. People are like, "Man, what's going on with Derrick Henry?" I know what's going on with Derrick Henry. <laughs> There's ten guys in the box, and Ryan yep. Tannehill can't make any plays. So, no, I, I I'm fine with that uh, that line. So I I don't see how the the Titans win uh, win win this game. I think the Raiders. Uh, you know, they, they haven't looked great the first couple of weeks of the season, but I just have a feeling that things will look a lot better this week. They'll run the ball a little bit more with Jacobs, and they'll get they'll get the ball. Devontae Adams went from being the most targeted guy in the league in week one to not being a factor in week two. I think that changes, and the Raiders get it done. The way I look at this is is this. I don't think the Titans are very bright. I also think that Josh McDaniels is a horrible head coach, uh, and I think he's going to prove that time and time again. And I think the Raiders step outside and go to Nashville and and lay an egg there. Uh, One of those games that somehow they they do three or four turnovers or some crap like that, play sloppy, uh, and the Titans come away with a very – Slim victory in that one. Okay, we go now to the later kickoffs. The Jags, fresh off blinking, the Indianapolis Colts are in L.A. to take on the rib man, uh, Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Dude has fractured rib cartilage, so if he doesn't play, it's Chase Daniels that's going. Oh, he's still in the league. He's still in the league. If Chase Daniels goes, here's here's I'll 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 do this one first. If Chase Daniels plays, the Jaguars are going to win. If it is Justin Herbert who plays, and I guess it's a pain tolerance issue, how much you could actually uh, you know stomach. I think I think Justin Herbert goes. And I, I think the Chargers win. The Chargers, by the way, I think Vegas think that uh, Justin Herbert's going to go. They're a touchdown favorite at home, seven points at home. So Even if I'm Chase Daniels or Justin Herbert plays, you're still throwing the ball to Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and handing the ball off to Austin Eckler. Uh, so I, there's no scenario. And, and even um, Gerald Everett, the tight end, has been doing really good for them so far. Too many weapons. So I don't even think Chase Daniels can mess it up. I think the Chargers have a much better roster on both sides of the ball. I yeah. have liked some, seen some good things with Trevor Lawrence. Christian Kirk, even though I think they overpaid, has looked really good the first two weeks. And it looks like him and Lawrence have developed a good combo. But it's not enough, man. The Chargers are too talented. Joey uh, Bo- 
Barbosa, Khalil Mack are going to make life hell on Trevor Lawrence. And Derwin James uh, is is probably good for a pick in this game then um, as well. Okay, Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, your uh, erstwhile team that uh, you would follow, are going up to Seattle in a late kickoff that really is a snoozer, um, I think, in this one. The Falcons, a one-point road dog it's only a point seattle minus one in the great northwest against the atlanta falcons i I think it it says one thing these two teams kind of suck don't they i mean this these are not good football teams (laughs) that's putting it mildly i i think that uh it's we all everyone started rewriting the geno smith story after week one and then everyone's like oh wait never mind yeah 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 he's not good yeah let's let's, let's calm down (laughs) Geno Smith so, versus Marcus Mariota in that one. That's Please. a really bad. I mean, that's some that's some ugly football right there. Yeah. Uh, I, by the way, I haven't seen Kyle Pitts. I don't know if you have, but I know in Atlanta they put out <laughs> an eight form. They haven't seen him. Yep. They haven't seen him in two weeks. Nobody's seen him. He had, he what's going into this year is supposed to have an, an even more breakout season. He's been ineffective. Now Cordero Patterson's been really good for them through the first couple of weeks, and I think they're gonna try to ride with him through through everything. Mariota hasn't been great. He's been okay. He's been okay, and I think okay will be enough to win the game up in Seattle. Yeah. Okay. So you're taking the Falcons. I, I flipped a coin, and I'll, I'll go with Seattle then. And maybe, maybe I understand. They- I did too. Yeah, yeah, they could pull it off at home. All right, we, we talked about this game a little bit, one of the late kickoffs. Rams at Cardinals, the Super Bowl champs, giving three and a half as they go into the Giant Toaster in Glendale. By the way, I, I call it the Giant Toaster uh, affectionately. I love that stadium. I had the best freaking time there actually seeing a Rams-Cardinals game back in 2010. Kurt Warner slinging it around for the Cardinals against the St. Louis Rams nice. at that point. Yeah, and, and and the Cardinals were a hell of a football team back then. I don't think people remember how good they were with Anquan Bolden and Larry Fitzgerald and Edger and James and Kurt Warner. That was a squad, man. And that was a year coming off the Super Bowl. They they trounced the St. Louis Rams back then. I don't know if it's going to be quite the same then. You know the Cardinals pretty damn well now. So Rams at Cardinals, what do you think happens? Rams minus three in the hook. Rough time for the Cardinals right now. I mean, um, James Conner was banged up last in the last game. Um, so you're going to be depending on maybe Eno Benjamin. And, and mm. I, I just – I don't see how that works. You're down already. D-Hop, as everyone knows, suspended for six games. But then you lose Rondell Moore, um, who can't seem to stay healthy. Uh, Marquise Brown has been very largely ineffective. So they're going to struggle on offense. They would struggle with all their players, honestly, because the Rams' defense is, is still legit. Uh, I just think the Rams make enough plays on the offensive side of the ball with, with Matt Stafford and Daryl Henderson running the football. Uh, and, and, God, man, Cooper Cup. You want to talk about somebody that's not wow. taking it lightly after getting paid? Cooper Cup is out here like, I wish somebody would question me. Like, he is he is a guy that got his check and is playing like he didn't. <laughs> and so Cardinals don't have an answer yeah. for him at all. And that's the difference. I think Rams win. I'm not going to say it's a blowout, but I think Rams win comfortably where there's no miracle comeback in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think that's right. No one has an answer for Cooper Cup. He is un- unbelievable. Okay, late uh, another late kickoff. Packers at Buccaneers. So we, we touched on this one a little bit. Low-scoring game, I think we're both thinking. 42 is the over-under on that one. Buccaneers minus two at home and minus a lot of players. Uh, how does this one shake out? 
ugly game, but I think it'll come down to turnovers. I think the Buccaneers, just like they did against the Saints, get just enough off of the off of the Packers, and I think they win a game. I'm going to say in their in that range of like 23 to 17. Something yeah, like I I think you're right too. And and seeing the Packers live and in person, I really wasn't all that impressed. Um, they might be better later on this year when Rodgers gets a feel for all of those receivers. Right now, he's out of sync with with all of them, 100%. and I, I think that Buccaneers defense is going to shut them down. Uh, so I, I like the Buccaneers in that one. The Sunday night game, kind of interesting. The San Francisco 49ers go to Denver to take on the Broncos. Again, I just mentioned that when you play at a mile high, Denver, Miami, those are those are, are, are for two different reasons. Geography-wise, I think you have an edge there. San Francisco coming off the Trey Lance injury goes back to Jimmy G. Jimmy G, by the way, what, what, what a fallback. I mean, the, this guy wins three out of every four games as a starter uh, historically as, uh, of the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners giving two on the road to Russell Wilson and the Broncos. And we, we, we talked about stupid uh, – I don't know if anybody's more stupid than Nathaniel Hackett as as the head coach uh, of the Broncos. I've never seen anyone make so many bad decisions in my life. Dude, play Madden sometimes. Just learn how to control a game and make decisions in the moment. This guy doesn't seem to understand it. The Niners, again, a two-point favorite on the road at uh, whatever they call it now. It's not in Vesco Field or whatever it is. It's mile high. Um what say you on that one, Niners at Broncos for the Sunday night game? I was actually just trying to look up to see. I couldn't remember the exact deals of the, the Russell Wilson trade, but I can tell you that Seattle's winning so far. Uh, yeah. Russell Wilson has not looked good at all. Uh, I've been very disappointed with what I've seen from him. You know, you had Jerry Judy. You had the running backs. You had you, you had Sutton. You had all these guys. So it shouldn't have been any excuse. It was a matter of, oh, we just plug in Russell Wilson. He hasn't looked confident. He hasn't looked very good at all. I don't know what the deal is there. I have not been impressed. Uh, one thing you mentioned about Jimmy G, man, all that guy does is win. It's never the most impressive and crazy stat line. But I also will say you got Debo Samuel on the offensive end, and you still got a pretty legit defensive side um, with another Bosa on that side. So I'm I'm leaning with the 49ers in that one. They're gonna Broncos are gonna have to show me something, and I I just until they do, I'm believing that they are gonna be the last place team in that AFC West. The thing is, you you picked the Niners to go to the Super Bowl onto the NFC, and that was with Trey Lance at quarterback. I don't think that pick needs to change with Jimmy G at, at quarterback. I I think they're they're just as as much a Super Bowl contender as they were, and maybe if not more, I think that roster is going to be energized. I think they love Jimmy G there. I, I think Jimmy G, I agree. Uh, yeah, is, is someone that they rally around. I like the Niners in that one as well. The Monday night game. Oh, how about this? Cooper Rush and the Cowboys go to the Meadowlands to take on the New York football giants who are giving up one and a half at home. So Daniel Jones versus Cooper Rush, man, that is the quarterback matchup of the week. Holy cow, you got to love mm. that. Man, we go from Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers on Sunday yeah. to, to, to Cooper Rush and Daniel Jones on Monday. Man, it, 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 it just level. It hurts my mouth to say that. Um, Cowboys, by the way, are uh, a road dog uh, giving up or, or actually taking a point and a half from the Giants in this one. Giants, by the way, have a chance to go 3-0 and oh under Brian Dable if they could beat the Cowboys. You're not thinking that it's going to happen? 
No, really? not happening, man. It's still really? Daniel okay. Jones. I, no, I'm not. I mean, I, I mean, Saquon Barkley had an amazing week one, kind of came back down to earth week two a little bit. But I think Cooper Rush knows the system enough to get the job done. I think that the Cowboys have enough weapons, and I just also think they're a much better team on the defensive end. Daniel Jones is going to fumble a ball. He's going to throw an interception. <laughs> he is just a turnover machine, and that's all that's going to happen. So I'm, I'm definitely leaning with the Cowboys in, in that one. All those reasons are right, and it's why I should be taking the Cowboys. And for some reason, I think the Giants just are going to win for whatever. I, I don't know what it is. Uh, I, I also I, have too many Giant friends, and I don't want to have to deal with a Tuesday morning <laughs> with Giant fans talking about how they're 3-0. They'll be 3-0 the with the Chicago Bears coming into town the next week with a chance to go 4-0 for oh, Brian Dable at – yeah. <laughs> Then you're really going to start hearing it right. from from Big Blue and and the Giants. So, all right, then we're we're out of games, we're out of time. Awesome job, St. I was so glad that you could make it in oh, yeah. and do this. And uh, so, uh, thank you so much for doing that, and uh, appreciate it as always. So, we will talk soon. And uh, for everybody yes, else, uh, yeah, yeah, stand by. We'll be right back after this.